Whenever my world falls apart I never lose hope or lose heart Whatever the form of the storm that may brew Not with you to lean on, darlings, you Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is a five-time Tony nominee, but more importantly, possibly for some of you out there, he's also the screenwriter to the film Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, it's Julie Newmar, it's Douglas Carter Bean, everybody! Hello, pod people, how are you today? Oh, they're lovely, I'm sure. Yeah, it was, it was, it was an, un, it was, it, it's it is the experience that changed my life forever. Oh, my goodness. Um, it did. I was a struggling off-Broadway off playwright with one mm-hmm. off-Broadway failure to my name. And then I, wrote, I was working as a Manny. And, uh, and they went off for a spring va- break vacation, and I wrote the screenplay. And it sold oh, wow. to Spielberg within three days after finished it. And it, my life was, has never been the same. It really took COVID-19 <laughs> to put to take the kick out of my step. Put you back in the bottle there. <laughs> my career, back in the bottle. My career was back, was back in the genius bottle from that <laughs> Up until then, it was going gangbusters. That's great. It took a worldwide pandemic. That's, that's pretty. Why not? Why not? You know, hey, what else could go wrong? As they say. I got to talk to you about cast albums. One of my favorite things ever. Yes, and you came here today to talk about... Babes in Arms. What? They call us babes in arms, but we are babes in armor. They laugh at babes in arms, but we'll be laughing far more. On city streets and farms, they'll hear a rising war cry. Youth will arrive, let them know you're alive, make it yours. in arms so yeah how did babes in arms come into your life uh it came into my life it's it when i was a kid everybody's parents had cast albums it Mm -hmm. was part of that middle class world of the early 60s um that you would have tennessee williams plays and george bernard shaw plays on the shelf and you would have broadway cast albums just everyone did it Mm -hmm. just was done and my parents had a set, mostly Rodgers and Hammerstein, and other people would have Camelot, which was, and I'd borrow them. Mm. And, and a f- my aunt had Babes in Arms, uh, which was an album, a concept album from the 50s, which was done with Mary Martin and Jack Cassidy. Two voices that, say, that just say youth to me. Spring chickens, both. And, uh... Spring chickens. <laughs> and, and, and I listened to it, and I, and I had a description of the show on the back. And, I, and it said that, um, it's sorry about a boy, you know, boy whose grandfather has a barn. And they put a show on in the barn. And my grandfather had a barn. And wow. I realized, oh, I could be in show business. And so that was that's why it always has a warm place in my heart. Oh wow! Yeah, this is the original like let's put the show on right here story. That's why. That's why yeah. I picked. I picked it because first of all, you show me the list of everything that's done. <laughs> and I I love all those shows so much. <laughs> and this show is to me, it's sort of a neglected classic. It's sort of the icon nobody knows exists. Mm. It is the. I can't tell you how many times people sarcastically or enthusiastically say, oh, my grandfather has a barn, let's put on a show. Mm-hmm. And I say, that's Babes in Arms, and I love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I've, and it's also, it was made into a movie with right. Mickey and Judy Garland, and that's like, oh, it's like a Mickey and Judy thing. Yeah. Um, so that, it, it just always struck me as an eternally optimistic show. The score is insane. Mm-hmm. insane oh, yeah. Insane score. It's not done a lot now. Um, the book is, the book was written by, the score is by Rogers and Hart, and then they wrote their own book, which, yeah. which makes Lin-Manuel Miranda all the more beloved because <laughs> he actually pulled it off. Anthony Newley, thank you. Because yeah. these guys oh, could. gosh, there you go. <laughs> it was clumsy, Miguel it was like It's a clumsy book, mm-hmm. but it has, it has a, 
a lot of heart. It's enthusiastic. And, and I love that. And I, and it's sort of, I wanted in this time, this horrible time where either yeah. you've got a disease or you've got like the theater, just sort of everyone's in a big circular firing squad shooting each other in the theater right now. Mm-hmm. And it, this was about, it doesn't take a lot to put on a show. You just need a barn mm-hmm. and you can sort of make costumes yourselves and you can make this the show happen. And I, and I love that about it. So it's a, it's a show I've, uh, I've always loved. Well, it is that, I mean, it did really begin that, that cliche in a serious way which was i mean which was a cliche by i mean the early 60s it was quickly a cliche oh yeah it was it was it was the first one hey let's put on a show we'll put on a show i mean the basic premise is a bunch of kids in the depression their parents are going off to work in show business so these kids of performers are off on a farm on rhode island and they decide they're going to be the the sheriff's coming by to send them all to a work farm. Right. And they decide they'll just put on a show themselves. Enough said. Right. And then there's gorgeous score, fabulous songs and wacky numbers. But what is to the plus of the show and to the original authors of the show is that they really put fascinating characters in it and mm-hmm. fascinating, intelligent, smart problems. Um, I mean, there's a character who's a, a socialist, right? <laughs> you know, which has a big, which has a big turn in the second act. There's the character who has all the money, who's a racist. All the mm-hmm. it, it, they're they're dealing with America in the late '30s, and mm-hmm. in this lighthearted, stupid way, um, doing stuff and 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 making progress. Well, and it's a, it's a. I mean, we say that the, the cast album we're talking about was 1999 because it was the Encores production. But they never did. Right. This, this, when I was a kid, I, I, when I, up until ca- cast albums went away, I actually had bookshelves with the albums in them. Mm-hmm. And I started collecting cast, true cast albums. And that was in the 30s and 40s. Right. They were like photo albums. Yeah. And there was a photograph on the front of the show, the cast all together like Oklahoma and Oklahoma and South Pacific and Bloomer Girl and all those. And then you'd open it up and it would just be a sleeve and there'd be 45s. Yeah. A song like opening act one, second song of act one mm-hmm. or overture. Right. You just put it on and play it, flip it over. So you could have, it was, it was, a, it was, a, it was a, the night was a real workout. <laughs> <laughs> Walk over, flip over the album. Pulling and flipping. Yeah, right. Oh, I was <laughs> And this was before that, so there was no cast album. There was the not-so-exciting cast album they did uh, with uh, Mary, Mm -hmm. Younger Than Springtime, not so much. Right. And then they did did another version in the 90s with Judy Kay. Again, a great great album, but the the Jason Graw, and I love them, but they're just... Mm -hmm. And this was an Encores uh, production that was done with uh, Kathleen Marshall, who always makes very smart choices, mm-hmm. and uh, and, a, and a great cast, who were a little older than they needed to be, but they were they were younger, certainly young looking. How old are the kids supposed to be? Are they supposed it's to be teen or preteen? The ad campaign was the entire cast was under twenty one. Oh, okay. And they would say, uh, and then the dancers they would bring Balanchine to the choreography. He would bring in his ballerinas and just say, "You dress young, yeah, you just dress young." <laughs> Ponytail, ponytail. And even ask you say twenty one. Right. <laughs> that was and that was and uh, there's just so much excitement. And I mean, the overture is a real great. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the probably the most thrilling overture. The two best overtures ever are going to be Candide and Gypsy. Can't beat them with a stick. Mm-hmm. They're just the 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 total top of it. But the the show that Rogers and Hart did before this was a show called On Your Toes, right? Which had a big revival in the '90s, I'm thinking. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, early '90s, and that was the first time in the history of Douglas Carter Bean I ever sat in a theater and somebody shushed someone during the overture. Ooh, because it was serious, like theater geek magic those overtures and they're done by that um oh what the heck is his name the orchestrator 
I wrote his name down here. Um, Hans Spielak. Hans Spielak. He was the great. He did all the Rodgers and Hart shows and all the Cole Porter shows. And what you're hearing are his original orchestrations, which are really splendid. Mm-hmm, absolutely. But his big trick with the Richard Rogers left was the double, the double baby grands and the orchestra. Oh wow! You'll hear in the overture, and then in a couple numbers, I'll point them out. We get we talk about them. Said double baby grands because <laughs> it's a sound that is so luxurious. Mm-hmm. You just you've got strings going, and then you've got like you know these double pianos going and it's just a great sound and it's so it it's is a very way. rich it's a very very rich orchestration and this is just but it's yeah i mean it's yeah. jazzy it's rogers and hart mm-hmm. I would, yeah i kind of prefer rogers and hart though i have done my i've done my time on rogers and him i was gonna say uh, you absolutely have you can't watch what you're saying there you don't want to you know I just, well i'm not getting checks anymore so. oh, okay <laughs> but it was it was a what it um but in my mind i always try to imagine that it was a little rogers and hart quality to it when i was writing that book uh-huh it's just very sassy and um, well, it's, writers, a very, it's a different kind of musical they wrote i mean they wrote plot driven musicals but they're more of that i mean the earlier days the pre-oklahoma musical yeah, style. Uh, it's, yeah. i mean it's this it's before that it's on your toes and there's this then there's um, the fabulous one, uh, Boys from Syracuse, yes. which is another great score. Yeah. Al Joey, which is a fabulous score. Um, mm-hmm. I was, for a while, was working with Robert Altman on a uh, new stage version of Pal Joey. And I was wow. writing a new book and someone said, oh, well, we're writing a new book for, for Pal Joey, I said, yeah, actually, it's it's part of the requirement to be in the Dramatist Guild is everyone has to do a new book for, <laughs> for Pal, Joey. Pal Joey. Fingers crossed. There's a little one. <laughs> and then there's another show called By Jupiter in there, and then by then it's that's over. And then there's a revival of Connecticut Yankee, uh, which right. is another brilliant score also. But this, uh, it's got like five songs in the score that are just drop dead. Oh, they're standards. They're... And it's like, but yeah. but also like great. They're theater songs. They're mm-hmm. they're great. You can't. You couldn't. You couldn't go to Feinstein below fifty four below without mm-hmm. hearing one of these songs. Well, every, and every, yeah. and they're, the the way they're performed on this album, what I really appreciated is like you've everyone's heard my funny Valentine. That's the mm-hmm. song everyone's heard. You may have sung it if you learned an instrument. You probably played it, but I had never heard it sung this way which is in that true comedic music theater style. Don't change a hair for me Not if you care for me Stay Little Valentine Stay This is just the great sort of we're getting to the end of Act One comedy number before the ballet. The 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 guy she's in love with is named Val, right? And her name is Billy, and she's sort of a precursor to a hippie. Mm. She's sort of a you know vagabond chick. Mm-hmm. She's like a, a she says her in the lady is a tramp. They don't mean tramp like a slut. They mean a tramp like a hobo, right? <laughs> her 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 hobohemia. As she calls it, <laughs> she's a whole, she's a bohemia. She's a she's a she's an artsy chick. She, what, what in my day we called an East Village girl. <laughs> oh my, okay. <laughs> so it's what she, and and my funny Valentine has that quirkiness to it, and and mm-hmm. it's uh, it's great. It's what I also love about this is, I think encores and any of those companies that do the revivals of shows in concert form are really going to start running into problems if they haven't already Hmm. in terms of what we will put up with in these old shows. Mm. Because so much of the standard of the musicals in terms of story was the guy's a jerk. 
the girl's super smart, but he slaps her and she likes him. Yeah. <laughs> the end. Yeah. But, yeah. Why, can't, why won't my daughter come with me to see this show? Because right. <laughs> it's awful. Right. <laughs> it's so <laughs> many. But what I love about this, I mean, even My Fair Lady is. Yeah. yeah. What I love about this is they're both very intelligent, good, good people. Mm -hmm. And they just have a little bicker thing going that they, uh, a Tracy Hepburn. It's more modern. It's more the the standard sort of the the romantic couple who fight with each other all the time and then fall in love. Yeah, they always fall in love and they're great. And and, and so they're, they're, when they get together, it does, you don't feel like anyone has lowered their standards. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) no one has tempted me their standards in this show (laughs) Um, but yeah it opened in uh, 37 Mm -hmm. at the Schubert Theater yeah a big house for this show it was they were impressed they had seen a show called um, The Dead End The Dead End by Sidney Kingsley is Kingsley right Dead End I believe that's correct I'm a playwright too but uh, it's my day job Um, (laughs) so throw those but yeah, um, but they were taken with the fact that it was all young people on stage. Right. And so they said, well, we'll do a show with all, a, a cast with all young people. And this was, I think the first one of these is a current show called Leave It To Me. And then there's a show in the 20s called um, Good News, which is set in a yeah. college. Mm-hmm. And there's this, and then it goes... And they just sort of, you have these shows. Merrily we roll along. It's Merrily, yeah. that, that was Merrily was supposed to be one. And right. Started Jones was supposed to be one. But also Rent is certainly one. Uh, um, uh, Spring Awakening is one. Do you mm-hmm. That's true. One. They're just like young. It'll be fun to see youth on stage. Did you, see, did you say Lysistrata Jones? I did indeed okay, say Okay, good. I'm glad you snuck yourself in there while we were out. I just, well, I said it was supposed to be. It never really, <laughs> it didn't, didn't run long enough to become anything. <laughs> So done by a lot of colleges that don't have theaters but have gyms. Um, well, it's like Bring It On, right? It's the same musical. It's the same exactly. kind of that's yeah. Right. Like You're in good company. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. It's but a cast album and a, and a good story. That's what we have. Yeah, that's right. And there's not, you know, the guy. It it ran, I think, like less than a year, but it was a huge hit. It was a huge success. Mm-hmm. Um. Then they stole the movie rights, and that was a massive success. And that set up the long lines of those babes right. on the way, babes annoying me, whatever, all those many, many songs that went down the, down the pike there. <laughs> and, it, and they are, as a book writer, I admire what's going on in terms of a story in that the story's good and strong, and it's got a great premise. And it does, it's the beginnings of the structure of musical theater is going on there. The first song is a, it's odd to start a song with a romantic ballad. Mm-hmm. Where, when, which is a splendid song. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, but it does fall into that rule of the first song in a show has to be who, what, when, where, why, right. <laughs> where, when, where, when we got everything. It's like a big deja vu song, yeah. you know, past live experience uh, song. And then they decide to do the show in the barn and then they do the song Babes in Arm, Babes in Arms, um, which is sort of our big need number, you know, the yeah. big rousing number. Um, now, Sadam hates Lorenz Hart. Um, yes, which I know from his book. Yeah, yeah, from the book. And, and you know, I've been at cocktail parties where he said snarky things when the lyrics go by. Like, what the hell? Yeah, I, I, what do you, what's your take on that? Well, so I was struck listening to this uh, the second or third time uh, that the the lyrics to "Where or When" are just about perfect. It seems we stood and talked like this before. We looked at each other in the same way then, but I can't remember where. When the clothes you're wearing are the clothes you wore, the smile you are smiling, you were smiling then, but I can't remember where. 
times are interesting but never distracting. It flows right. by beautifully. There's so much. He's he's picking simple words to rhyme, but he never it never feels trite to me. He's doing a really really good job. And then when you crash into Babes in Arms, yeah, it is really like uh, it, it, that that song has some tough 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 words, and and, yeah. it, and it's just not. You know, I mean, right from the jump when it's they call us babes in arms, but we are babes in armor. Like there's the sort of like yeah. slow no, down they, to make that line fit. Sometimes they don't they don't push the, the rhymes so much. They just say right. armor and farmer. Right. Uh, I, I think that was somebody uh, described that what he's writing is Americanese. He's trying to write mm-hmm. American slang. He's trying to do what Gilbert was doing with English. He was trying to do with mm-hmm. American speech. Someone Which, else Stephen Sondheim doesn't like, W.S. Gilford. <laughs> that's right. Well, then you're, then you're, you're basically screwed. Big well, it depends on what you want. It depends. I mean, like, that's a real conflict of opinion because it's so funny that Richard Rogers is in the middle of Oscar Hammerstein and Lorenz. Oh, Hart, yeah. No, who so have fascinating. very, very different lyrical styles and schools and, and things they were trying to accomplish. And Lorenz Hart mm-hmm. is definitely more that. This song has to be, we're going to sell this song. This is a Tin Pan Alley type thing. We're moving this, yeah, hustling I mean, it they, out. They've maneuvered the plot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, according to the Richard Rogers book, he came in with the lyric for My Funny Valentine and said, well, why don't we call the leading man Val? Like that was, that was an afterthought. So there you go. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong no, with I don't think so at all. Um, then... It has next, form and it has structure, but definitely the song, like the the, the good song, quote unquote, the song takes precedence, seems to me, over every other other decision, yeah. and that can lead to some pretty and tricky the, moments. The other thing you'll find is that when when you see these old shows at encores, or you listen to these the cast albums, which are as laid out as best as we can get them. The songs are great, but people left the theater humming them and whistling because they reprise them so. Often. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's something on this thing later. We'll get to the um, Johnny One Note ballet. Yes. Oh my God. Which is really <laughs> well thought of as ballet music, but it's literally, they play the from beginning to end the song Johnny One Note mm-hmm. five times. Yeah. Just boom, <laughs> let's play it through. Do it as a cha cha, do it <laughs> as a samba, do right. it as a do it as a swing number. But it's the same, and it you just. Mm-hmm. How could you not? Yeah. And in the finale of the show, they, they do the Gilbert and Sullivan thing where they do oh, the, yes. of all the, the whole show over for you again. And real so, like, fast, yeah. Please remember this score. Please. We beg of you. Please remember these songs. That's what I always bring up when people talk about mega mixes in musicals yes. starting in the 90s. It's like, that is not a new idea. They've been doing oh. that since the 19th century. Oh. <laughs> and they find the most hilarious way of doing the mega mix at the end of the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which is that oh god it's so cool. the, the the show collapses the, right. twice twice the show collapses and um an airplane with an lands in the barn yeah you heard me an airplane lands in the barn <laughs> and the um aerialist uh is taken out of the plane and the kids call the press to interview the aerialist, who I think is from France, I think, to interview him, and they beg the aerialist not to make a speech until they've done each of the numbers from the show so the press can get it for the newsreels so that the show can go to Broadway. They call us babes in arms, but we are babes in If I had a nickel every time that happened to me, I've just been, you know, you're there with, you're there with uh, Alan Menken and going, right. 
Any minute the plane's going to land. It's going to hit. It's going to happen. This has happened to me six times already. I swear. Yep. The plane is on its way. So, yes, that is. I wonder if that's where it just occurred to me that that's the same. It's not the same ending, but it, it is a, a, a take on the ending at the end of Drowsy Chaperone when the plane yeah. lands and solves all their problems. I wonder if that's a straight Babes in Arms reference. Or not. Yeah, there was actually a parody of this, of Babes in Arms and shows like it um, called uh, Buzzsaw Berkeley. Oh. <clears throat> And it is a very funny show. Mm. And uh, Shauna Hicks played the Judy Garland character and was hilarious. <laughs> but just, I remember she had this monologue about how she was going to be on Broadway. And then slowly she would lo- rely on medication to get her through performances. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, it, it, it was a dark show. Oh, it was a yeah. dark show whose time had come and gone. Oh, my gosh. So but it, it is funny to me. This is remembered as a primarily as a film, I believe, like and as a Busby Berkeley movie, say with Judy Garland and yeah, and Busby Mickey Berkeley Bork. and Mickey and Judy, and and they but, throw out much of the score. I, think I was going to say, but that's what I was going to say. Yeah, they, they. I think if that's your impression of this show is from the movie, you don't really know. Like like so many shows of that era, you have you've never heard the show. You've heard my favorite is the one for the movie at that movie Thousands Cheer. Mm-hmm. Where they bought the title as Thousands Sheer, called the movie Thousands Sheer, and didn't use a single song from it yeah. whatsoever. Which is but not I, uncommon. I mean, it was a very common thing to do. It, like the movie <laughs> On the Town is a like a hilarious example yeah. of that. Of like On the Town took two songs and yeah. then that that was it. I think they do. Um, I think they do. I know the Ladies of Tramp is using underscoring when a girl does a gymnastics demonstration. They the definitely movie. do. They definitely do. Where or when? Yeah, where? Um, she, where yeah. Or when? Yeah. Maybe funny Valentine. Maybe she's like. But then, right, like right. that's not crazy enough. Um, the big comedy duet. I wish I were in love again. Yeah. Mickey and Judy do in the life of <laughs> Lorenz Hart. What's that movie called? Words to Music. Well, yes, right. And where that the hilarious. A hilarious and endless Hollywood cocktail party. We're like, Lena Horn is junk sung, just sung the ladies at Tramp. How about Larry? Why don't you and Judy Garland, Mickey Rooney's playing Lorenz Hart, who, by the way, is suicidal because he's short, not because he's gay. Right. Yeah. And an alcoholic. Yeah. And he does, he's like drunk in the street in the rain and he sees an ad for lifts in the window. <laughs> there you go. Um, but. Anyways, wow. but he, it's, oh, it's a great, it's a gorgeous, you know, not How since many? night and day have we seen such. I was going to say that was when, when it, it's so funny that we think that like <laughs> this, this sort of thing sounds like a joke. It sounds like the thing that the Hollywood joke of like, well, they didn't want to tell everyone he was gay. So they made a bit about how he was short. And then he like in the rain sees the lifts and you're like, no, no, that's the, that's what they really did. And everybody was like, oh, no, interesting. That's why he was so unhappy all the time. Oh, so they're at a, they're at a, Larry has spending a lot of money in Hollywood. So there's a cocktail party. Lena Horne is Joe Sung, the ladies of Tramp. So he grabs Judy Garland, played by Judy Garland. Right. Mickey Rooney, playing Lorenz Hart. And they sing, I wish I were in love again. And mm. it's great. And you're like, what could have been another movie? Like, right. it's not a bad piece of material. There's a, is. isn't, isn't Johnny One Note in that movie too? Like, isn't it, there's a few songs from this. No, so. I don't think, maybe it is. Maybe it is. I have to, I've got to Google it. Oh, now we have to Google. Oh, well, I'll Google. Hang on. You talk. Right, I'll you Google. Google. I'll talk. You Google. I'll talk. I'll drive. You, you drive. Google, I'll drive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and in that time, I am right. Yes. Johnny One Note is in that show. In that movie, I mean. Okay. All huh. right. There you go. Now, there's, there's a, the comedy song, which is really terrific, is um, I Wish I Were in Love Again, which has the mm-hmm. Terrific rhymes, just mm-hmm. rhyme oh, yeah. upon rhyme, brilliant, brilliant. I just, I want you to, if people, people, pod people, listen to the song and feel good about life. <laughs> and this is done by the secondary comic, the Addo Annie and, <laughs> and guy and couple. Right. It's, it's Dolores and Gus. He's, you know, he's a hothead who likes, means Mike means right. And she's the cop's daughter. And right. They all they always break up, and that's the well. Whole. He has the best the, I mean, the line that made me laugh 
out loud listening to the album was, has your dad ever arrested anyone in this town? And she says, no, why would he do that? And that's just always, and he said, well, because I'm about yeah. to murder you, of course, is the next bit because they're having a fight. But it is, <laughs> it is just right. such a great right. joke. It's such a, it's like a wonderfully like a cool, vaudeville you know, style joke. It's, it's, loud, you know, it's loud. You know, it's one of those, and it's got a great, there you'll hear the double pianos in that dance there. And it's just a great dance is in it. And it's a nice comic number. And it's just, I have to admit, there are times there have been two or three shows that I've sat in the Schubert Theater and looked mm. up at the architecture and thought, this is for 1937 right now. I'd be listening to I Wish I Were in Love Again. Yeah. I don't know what that was like. <laughs> Instead of this garbage that's being thrown in my face. <laughs> you can't, you can't do yeah. it. That, I think they do that to torment you on the back of the playbills when it says, like, all, also yeah. at this theater. What was at this theater? Oh, now uh, I feel like now, I Right, now what am I looking at here? Right. I I don't, seen, if I'd only come 70 years earlier, I could have been here. It was a side story. Now I'm watching Cats. Come yeah. on. You're torturing <laughs> me. Very different shows. Still both a lot of dancing. The, um, there, are, there are two ballets in this show. I don't want that to slide. That back. was standard because there are two ballets yeah. in On Your Toes. Uh, I don't know if there are two ballets in uh, in Boys from Syracuse. There's oh, only one at the end of the first act of Pal Joey. Right. But there are two. One is the first one is uh, is a Johnny One note. Well, that's right. That was um, the next number in the show. Is is this is uh, this is where the the storytelling gets interesting. Um, the song is called Light on Their Feet. Mm -hmm on the album this that we're talking about it's on the album it's not on other albums it's cut um what i what i admire about this show is that you have kids you have kids putting on a show you don't have to deal with anything mm -hmm. in the world you're fine to just like oh that kooky communist friend of ours that's all you need you right. don't need to go there and rogers and hart go there they have the Nicholas Brothers, the beloved Nicholas Brothers from many of That's Entertainment installment and wonderful movies are in this show. They're originally mm -hmm. in the show and they are a huge part of the plot in that they do a number called uh, Light on Their Feet. Money Man sees the dance. It's a, of course, it's going to stop the show, but Nicholas Brothers forget it. The Money Man, named Lee, turns out to be a racist. And he says, if they're in the show, he's not putting any money in the show. Mm -hmm. So we think that's what Val has done. And at the end of the first act, after the unbelievable Johnny One note, there is... Balanchine does a ballet, the Johnny Wendell Ballet for the Nicholas Brothers, a ballet for the Nicholas. Again, mm -hmm. you're at the Schubert seeing your show. You got, I could be watching Balanchine's ballet for the Nicholas Brothers, <laughs> but I'm here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it was, and at the end of the first act, they lose all their money because the, uh, the racist comes back and says, I'm taking all my money. And Val punches mm -hmm. them in the nose. Mm -hmm. And, he runs out, so the show closes because of their moral convictions and their belief that black people have every right to perform with the white people. And that's, mm -hmm. you, gotta, you gotta give it to them. In mm -hmm. this, I know we, we like to just say, oh, it's not perfect. Oh, it's not perfect. This is what they were trying for. Mm -hmm. In that process, the song that they've written is unfortunately racist. It just yeah. is. The title is racist, the lyrics are racist, and Kathleen Marshall, who is very, very smart and a very shrewd understanding of human nature and also theater, did a great thing where she just has them sing the verse 
and then they just dance for the song because the music is great and peppy mm-hmm. and they don't hear they don't know what the lyric is now to spin that into the oh my god life is always horrible the movie ends with mickey and judy doing blackface of course it does <laughs> So that shows you where Broadway was and where Hollywood was. Right. Broadway was trying to break ground and having trying to have discussions about race and political systems. And Hollywood was saying, let's give our minstrel number. They like Oh my gosh. Shoot Miss Garland, burnt right. court for Miss Garland, burnt court for Miss Garland. And it's terrible. It's just yeah. unwatchable and embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very, I mean, it's because it's a fun number. It's a fun number on this recording, but it, it is that, yeah. it, it's one of those moments where it, it's, I think it's kind of a cliche to say like, well, they were trying their best and they didn't know any better. But I think that this is a genuine moment where Rogers and Hart were trying to do something and they did a lot right and a lot wrong. But and you, at, and, and you can salvage you can salvage enough of it to get their intention yeah. out of it without going. Unfortunately, we had to cut the characters, we had to cut the number, we had to cut the whole plot because it was just because an absolute mess. Yeah. There's a fifties version, a fifties stage version. Right. The kids are putting a show in the barn. It becomes a summer stock, and and they just cut the black characters all together. Cut the song. Cut right. any rig. Cut the communist character. Just it really is the fifties. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know. Just how how anyone escaped it with their with their soul intact is a miracle. Yeah, not many but, people. Well, well, either left with your soul or your pocketbook. You didn't leave with both. It seems to me. Yeah, like, yeah. Jeez. Uh, yeah, yeah. uh, and then uh, and I don't know why. I mean, Mitzi Green was the lead of the show. She's mm-hmm. famous. For, I think she's mentioned in the conga number of uh, of uh, on the town. Not yeah. On the town. Of, of a wonderful town. town. A wonderful town. Yeah. about Mitzi Green, right. whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, she's in that. But she was a child star who was more talented but more annoying than Shirley Temple. I just having seen a lot of movies, I'm going, <laughs> you're like a more talented, more annoying Shirley Temple. She's like, <laughs> and she played Billy, the the hippie chick gal. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, they decided to add a character of a former movie child star who comes in and she just does a couple numbers in the in the show just big numbers one is uh um she does a way out west on west end avenue keep all your mountains and your lone prairies so pretty give me the fountains that go wrong at rodeo city i would trade your famous dear and for one tall beer and a cantaloupe Way up west and west and have a new Is it is it a show within a show? Is it life? Who can tell and who knows it? anymore, right? <laughs> Where are we? I think it's a peppy now. I like it. I think yeah, I like that one too. And it's great. It's got it's also got that four I like a show with a four part male kind of barbershop quartet sure not you sound guys you sound great the double pianos over here the four boy singers are here right but we're yeah. set up we're set up um got the nicholas brothers we're doing just fine Nick and two nicholas yeah. brothers right um and then uh and then we have the my funny valentine which is you know to die it's great it's great to hear it does aaron dilly do it on this album Who does it on this album oh, that's a good question it's a great, it's a great cast. It's a really mm-hmm. lovely cast. I think it's Aaron. And she, it's beautifully done. It's beautifully acted. It really feels like it yes. came out of a scene. Mm-hmm. I know that um, the Gus. It is Aaron Dilly, yes. Gus and um, Dolores were, who played them? They were the, um, they, they got married from the, they met and married on this show. Uh, oh, wow. I can't think of it. Uh, and she now directs a lot. And he's Chris Fitzgerald mm-hmm. and his lovely, lovely bride. I cannot think of her name right now. It escapes me. I know she's given him, she's, he's given her two lovely children. I think she's, Here we go. I'm opening up his tab in the, uh, in oh, this right. other he's, side he's, here. He's, I'm going to think she's Who two than anything goes. She played Bonnie in The Last Anything Goes. Jessica Stone, great Jesse. Oh, now they're super lovely people. And they're, mm-hmm. 
and they were and they're delightful. You can see little clips of them on YouTube. They're, they're mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, and then we have the you know Johnny One Note. Why not? Just why not? Just blow the roof off the place. I I did it. I had a theater company which Jessica Stone was in called Drama Department for ten years of my life, and I loved every moment of it. It was really terrific. And uh, in that we did a show written by David Sedaris, starring mm. Amy Sedaris, uh, the great late David Rakoff, and uh, Jackie Hoffman. And there was, and they would improvise in the show crazily. And the show was about an Amish woman who decided she was sick of it, Amish life, and went out into the world, said to go out into the world. And she came back to the Amish and she, she made cheese balls and they became hugely successful, but she returned to the Amish world. And Jackie Hoffman played another one of the Amish women and, and just impro- one day improvised. You know, I wrote a song about your experience. And you saw Amy sit there, it's like, what? <laughs> uh, what is it? <laughs> and Jackie Hoffman sang Johnny One Note, but replaced it with cheese balls. I don't, I mean, you, it was like, it was a time, it was a joyful time. That's all I'll say. <laughs> but it was so funny. <laughs> when was this? This would have been in the, in the 90s, in the 90s. We did uh, A Thousands Cheer, musical-wise. But that's where Bees and Honey Drown started, and a lot of my played the music from a Sparkling Planet. Uh, yeah, it was it was a wonderful time. Yeah, it was it a great like time. It. it was a it was a at the Greenwich House. We sort of discovered the Greenwich House from it was being used for um, uh, strollers for the babies for the nursery, and I walked oh. in and I said, "There's a theater in here. I think we could do shows here." <laughs> And then we did, and we did for 10 years. Um, so yeah, that's, then after that comes the extremely lengthy five times through Johnny Window Ballet, right. which has an Egyptian theme. Yes. Because it mentions Aida. Right. <laughs> so, so what can one do? We do, we do, we do Egyptian. <laughs> which I did, I, in, in Googling for this, I did find a, um, a, a, a blog interview with one of the original dancers from uh oh. arms and her only memory of the show was those i those egyptian wigs itched like a son of a bitch <laughs> that was her entire memory of the show well, they were <laughs> probably horse hair but yeah that would uh well, but who knows she remembers the wigs <laughs> and then there's the punch in the nose and everybody and we're sad right. and then we're and there was Anna Kurt Boom. No, right. Um, racism. All is lost. Sorry, guys. Right. Intermission. <laughs> yeah. We didn't have t-shirts yet, but here we go. Stupid pro programs. Right. <laughs> In the lobby. Uh, it's a, it, you know, I like, uh, when I had a meeting uh, once with uh, Bob Greenblatt, who ran NBC for a long time. Before that, mm-hmm. he ran Showtime. I had a meeting with him when he ran Showtime. And in his office, very elegant office, and, and he had a huge poster of the movie of Babes in Arms. Hmm. And I just thought that was really, I, I said, I know why you did that. And he goes, good. Because <laughs> I explain it to everyone who comes in here. <laughs> but it's like, we're just putting on a show. Jack O'Brien, who is the director I've worked with on, on, on the, the Nance, mm-hmm. I was talking about something. And I said, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to tell you about the show I'm working on because I don't know if you're going to direct it or not. I feel awful. He goes, oh, we're just kids hanging out, putting on shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like why are we putting up all this pretense of what well, we have to do this? We're just putting up, throwing up shows. So was that the the sort of main takeaway for you from from this musical? Informing in terms of your like philosophy of being in the, in the theater, the, the sort of like attitude anyway of like just put on shows and we're here to have a good yeah, time. Yeah, and I, it I seems very important I, to you. I, it is. I prefer. I, I'm a big fan of economy. Mm-hmm. I like it in casting. I like real. I would rather have nine or 10 or 12 really talented people mm-hmm. than a big stage full of people marching at me. Mm-hmm. Um, I. What's interesting is that my next, from being a kid who liked musicals and plays and was reading every play and was down, you know, taking, borrowing the Noel Coward songbook from the mm-hmm. library and listening to all that music and, 
really being a thorn in everyone's side and why I'm missing Pennsylvania spewing epigrams about the, <laughs> the cafeteria. Mad dogs and Englishmen and such. <laughs> right. <laughs> My own concoctions, I thought they were primitive. Oh, okay. Awfully mm-hmm. witty. Um, <laughs> uh, was that I, I fell into uh, doing working at a local community theater Mm-hmm. It was called Genesius, and it's still there. And the woman who ran that, Jane Simon Miller, who is the woman that I paid tribute to in my play, Shows for Days, and Patty Lepone played that role. Mm. And it wasn't until towards the end of her life I asked her, well, what's your favorite show? And she said, Babes in Arms. Mm. And I always thought, oh, and, and but that made sense because it is about you just keep going. You just... Uh, as an English director, a friend of mine says, all you need is passion and a plank. Mm. And, and I think that's, I, I'm more thrilled with theater when it's, when I see lots of stuff going up on stage, mm-hmm. I start to tune out and I go like, where are the people? What are they feeling? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, I've had two experiences. The two, there were good things in them and great, great friendships I made from them. But the two experiences that were not my favorite experiences creatively were the biggest ones. Mm. I did an opera at the Metropolitan Opera. I read the book, did the book, a libretti. Yes, right. For, for the Flader Mouse. You know, I should have known when the first word of the title is die. Right. But it, <laughs> it was just so torturous. It was so huge. And there was no way to get a hold of the conductor because the conductor was like maestro. Mm-hmm. And he would just sort of conduct and take up tempos and dancers were falling. I was just a nightmare. And it was so big and I could never get a beat on it. And they're mm-hmm. like, you know, hundreds of people on the stage. And I was like, why am I here? Mm-hmm. And the other one was I, for one summer, I wrote the, uh, the summer spectacular at Radio City Music Hall, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, I, I, I'm glad the Rockettes are hard to get a laugh out of them, but I, but the moment-to-moment work is so delicately layered. Yes. <laughs> but the show was cute and good and fun, and, and it was fine. But it was just the scale of it. Mm-hmm. Was, and, and those are my two bad experiences I've had in the theater. Everything else has been pretty much okay. And then I did two musicals at the Broadway Theater, which is, you know, kind of has its own zip code. and yeah. Like, one fronts move across the stage. It's yeah, so it's a huge stage. And there's, a, there's, a, there's just a moment at the end of the, the show when that, that balcony of the Broadway theater is so huge mm-hmm. that they have a partition they can put across. So it makes the theater a little more intimate. So you don't sort of see the... <laughs> and when I... When I Greg Hildreth, um, we did... No, I did... Uh, it was... No, it was... Uh, I did Sister Act first, mm-hmm. and then I did Cinderella there. And when I was between the shows, I found pictures of the the bodies that are frozen on on um, the Mount Everest, the hikers. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and I would just sort of say, "This is six months in. This is what we're looking at." <laughs> just like you know, it took us a year, but we got there. We, we got just, there. Yeah. Oh God, it's just torture. <laughs> But I laugh in that theater, man. You hear it for the rest of your life. It's so. Crazy. That's it. Yeah, I mean, it's so. It's interesting to me that it was a theater that was too big for Les Mis. Like Les Mis played there at first, and yeah. it was like, we have to go to yeah. the Imperial. We can't stay here. I'm not. I'm not yeah. yeah. And you see, I always love. I've not seen the the West Side Story there, but you see, young spiffy directors always coming in, mm-hmm. and they're like, and I'll have this over here, and I'll have this over there. Like nobody's seen it. Anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Put them in the center. I mean, if you see Jerry Zach's impeccable staging of Sister Act is mm-hmm. Patina Miller, dead center. Mm-hmm. Victoria Clark comes over, come over, come over, come over, just boom. Because that's the only way you can get everyone looking is you have one person dead center. That's why when you see videos, especially like the Tony videos of, of Evita, of the original Evita, that's why it's always clumps of people in the yeah. center of the stage moving in square like very coordinated movements but moving yeah. in squares because it was at the broadway and it was the only way to keep wanted, everything straight they wanted to look fuller they wanted to look larry fuller that's why right. i call him larry oh, fuller I mean, oh there fuller. we go makes it look fuller so yeah that was so that was um my first i mean i was i wrote plays all through the 
through the 90s and I always loved musicals. And then I did um, The Big Time, which is coming up soon, hopefully, right. Touching Wood. <laughs> I don't know when this is broadcasting. Maybe it just happened. Right. <laughs> Maybe I'm in competition with myself. No. And then, uh, and then the Xanadu. Yes. That oh. was the first one. That was Tugla. the first one. Doug. Oh. Just. One of my favorite movies and one of my favorite musicals. <laughs> I love, I really, if I can, if I can for a second, I really like what you did with, because Xanadu, the movie is, I've talked about it before. I, I have a whole bonus podcast about it. I love it to pieces for the giant mess that it is. Um, and I really appreciated how you ran right at it. <laughs> you didn't skew to, you know what I mean? You, you just, you, you totally got what was, what was, fun about that movie and put it right front and center. That was a wonderful experience of that was, you know, I was offered the job, I think seven or eight times and I passed, I passed a lot. Wow. Cause it was so, t- I couldn't get through the movie. Like I saw, oh, I know yeah. I saw when I came out and I'd watch it and I go like, what's the story again? I get to, oh, who the hell he, knows? <laughs> he paints the albums on right. the wall. There's the muses Western. and there's roller skating and, and then there was really like until the ninth time I caught on that they were muses and I went yeah oh this is about it this is about the gods of theater returning and seeing a jukebox musical yeah oh I get it I can yeah. do this mm-hmm. and I wrote I you know I I mean I was hoping to get Jackie and Mary Testa and a bunch of you know broads like that and we found them and it was a, it was a terrific experience and. But uh, what I loved about that was the minute we read it, it was magical and wonderful. And everyone in New York City treated me like a valiant cancer victim. <laughs> like they go, how's Xanadu coming? <laughs> like, it's great. They go, you'll work again, Doug. You Don't worry, you'll work again. And, and I was like, by this time, I'd had a lot. I was mostly known as a playwright, right? So that was, but it was, it was a gorgeous experience, and it was a wonderful run. And I see high schools do it; they always do a great job. And and uh, I'm I'm very proud of that. That was fun. That was a blast. You should be. It's a very because it's a t- like it, the movie itself is like the longest hundred minutes of your life if you ever try to watch that movie. It is just incomprehensible what's going on and you do you know you have to want to enjoy it and uh, it, it is because it's just it, it, it was long. Greg Cheyenne was never better and more fun and hilarious mm-hmm. Carrie Butler and just and yeah. Tony Roberts Tony Roberts you know, <laughs> <laughs> just sort of like everyone Tony Roberts was doing do re mi everyone else was doing <laughs> so Tony Roberts was like hey what's going on here and I was like I kept giving him more like lines of say. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a good voice for that, naturally. So I'm glad. Yeah, I loved his voice. I loved his voice. I loved. And then after <laughs> that was, I had a. I'm to think after that I did a, I did a, a stage version of um, the Bandwagon, which the Weislers never, could love enough to bring in. And they did it on the cheap at encores, and then, really overhyped it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the press came in with their with their attack knives, and that was a disaster. That was with Kathleen Marshall and fabulous cast of Laura Osnes and Brian Stokes Mitchell and mm. Tony and um, who else was in there? It was great. It was a oh Tracy Allman, Michael oh. McKean, a fabulous cast. It was just done for a weekend, but it was brilliant, and it should have had time mm. to go somewhere and be something, but it didn't. But say la guerre, um, say <laughs> la drac. Sayla, Sayla, what? <laughs> uh, what was the? I'm trying to think. After that was, uh, I had a play that Mr. And Mrs. Fitch with John Lithgow. That was a fabulous experience. That was a show that closed. It was at the second stage. Well, uh, Little Dog Laughed had opened and moved to Broadway. Mm-hmm. That was a gorgeous experience. And then uh, Mr. and Mrs. Fitch was the audience just had no idea what I was talking. About. But what I was saying was, we are so in love with celebrity mm-hmm. that a reality star is going to become president and we're not going to know what to do with it. <laughs> and nobody, everyone hated the show, got trashed everywhere. But the only people who loved it were people, magnificent people who I would work with later, like 
Jack O'Brien, Andre Bishop, Nathan Lane. They're all people like, mm. this is great. You're absolutely saying with the truth. Mm. Um, and that, and then the next one I did was Sister Act. I think it was Sister Act was in the mix there. Sister Act happened. That was fun. That was fast and fun. Mm. And it was, and then Lisa Strata Jones, which I adored. And then Cinderella. And then Cinderella and Nance, I opened the same season on Broadway. And oh, wow. I almost put myself in the booby hatch on that one. Yeah. Gosh, it's tough. I know people who do it, and a play and a musical in one year is a tough one. I do want to ask you actually before before we wrap up because I haven't actually asked you. Have you always been a um, a writer? Were you ever a performer in your even in your formative years? I started as an actor. I graduated from the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, Mm -hmm. and I graduated as an actor. And I there was no. I graduated in nineteen eighty. You have to remember there was no business in show business. Mm-hmm. there was nothing there would be like those signs i would say see a broadway show just for the fun of it and that would like every show on broadway had that little sign up there was nothing mm-hmm. on broadway all the theaters were empty i think there were like maybe seven shows on broadway nothing the, no off broad no off like there was the circle rep was it the only mm-hmm. off broadway company so i started writing shows for myself to highlight myself as an actor um, oh reviews or show small plays one man show type things. And then I started, I just loved, I loved the writing and I loved being in a rehearsal room and I didn't love acting enough. Mm-hmm. And I got very bored because my mind just, and as I read more about Noel Coward, I find out, oh yeah, he had a real problem being in long runs. Like he would only stay with a show for about three months. And then he's like, I'm done. Look, I'm out. <laughs> I get it. I mean, it's a real, it's a real talent you have to have to keep that fresh the way like jury oh, yeah. white fresh every performance and i just go how do you do it it's like you've never done the show before in a good way yeah to keep that spontaneity and that so, that life in it i mean you do have yeah, to love it like as you said you have to absolutely yeah. love it yeah. and i like creating i like being the one directing stuff more which i always meant to do and now i'm finally doing it and then Corona had to come along and well, sure, and took <laughs> took everybody somewhere. So no one know that my career was actually foundering. They'll just assume it was corona. <laughs> That's true. Everyone gets a reset. You got to remember we're all in the same boat right here. I mean, like you can write off. Oh, that was that was all corona, wasn't that in twenty seventeen? Yeah, but it was still. Don't don't worry about that. Exactly. You know, who knows what year it is anymore? Anyway, Two Wong Fu is, is a musical that I'm doing with Lewis, who I did Lisa Strata Jones with. Uh, we have Hood, which is our musical version of Robin Hood, which is being produced by the producers of Hades Town, which is going down. Oh, wow. Then it'll come into Broadway. And that's a, I love that show. It's a wonderful show. And then um, there's a musical called Star Spangled I'm working on, which is uh, suggested by um, Up With People. Do you remember Up With People? I do remember Up With People. And I've just, I, as somebody, I was, oh, Mo Rocca was talking to me about, we're talking about the stuff, and he goes, you really are drawn to the bottom most dregs of show business every time. It's always like bad classical theater for Xanadu. It's always like burlesque for the Nance. It's always well, like. Well, and the big time is, you know. The big time. Bad is vaudeville like, performer. Sister yeah. act has to be disco. It always has to be something you go like, oh. God, that hurts. But that's entertainment, isn't it? I mean, uh, that's the, there. there's that, I yeah. I always say that I find, you know, the the, the shows for days, the play about, about community theater, mm-hmm. Patty Lapone did with Michael Urie, is I kept saying, I just, uh, I just find them incredibly noble. Mm-hmm. I just find anyone who starts to say, now I'm going to entertain you. I'm on your side and we're going to pull, get through this. Yeah. I can't watch the amateur contest shows because I just get such, I'm there for them. I'm pulling. I'm pulling through this. I don't have that cruel streak like, let's see you now. Let's see it go now. Even people who've crossed me. Mm -hmm. Even my blood enemies. (laughs) Just just been something horrific to me and are now out of town tortured with this show. I still can't get it together to go like, oh, really? Mm -hmm. It's work. (laughs) (laughs) i'm sort of like oh god bless them i hope they get i hope god i hope they get a hit because it's all one hit means we all get a hit you know it all works Mm -hmm. well and it really is the 
not the the theme of, of Babes in Arms exactly, but it is certainly the attitude of Babes in Arms is that 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 the theater, the performance, the the show will save us. It will take us to that next sure. place we need to go. And I think that that attitude of you know a rising tide lifts all boats is the yeah. proper attitude because the other way sort of darkness is you know it's like the dark side of the force madness lies that way like you when this is all done i mean who knows what we're going to be dealing with between yeah corona and the economic downfall that's going to create and we're going to come back and we're going to have a new generation of 20 year olds coming out of school saying here i am right it's like me you know when i was right. graduating the academy I'm getting, here i am <laughs> oh, I didn't know there were there were theaters on the east side of Broadway too. You know, oh, look, there are all these empty theaters. Like, no, no one's doing shows anymore. Yeah, well, I didn't know that. And and I think they're going to be doing that. And I encourage them to babes and arm the shit out of it, man. Just do well, it. Because what else are you going to yeah. do? Yeah, I mean, if you do it because you love it and you do it for a love of of the art or whatever it is, that's all you can do. Ingenuity is. There are a yeah. lot of companies coming out of universities and theater programs like um, Fiasco coming out of Brown or Pigpen coming out of um, Carnegie Mellon and the, the company that does the play that goes wrong. They, they came out of the Central School in London. I mean, that's, that's all. I, I, I'm excited by them because they've worked together. They know each other and they're, they're doing the work that appeals to them. And I like that. I like people coming to me. Here's my aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Rather than like, you know, hashtag buck debt. You know, that's mm -hmm. the other thing that ticks me off. Just one thing that ticks me off. A minor, a minor peeve about <laughs> that has happened in the bigger musicals. And I've had little like meltdowns about it in front of everyone just for fun. Mm -hmm. um, which is, <laughs> I don't like the word track. I don't like it. I think it's mm -hmm. in. Like, oh, I, oh, that's a good track. Oh, I'm in that track. Like, no, you're doing roles. Mm -hmm. They're people, they're created, and it's not just like, it's not a fact. You don't, I've said to one actor, I said, I don't write trains, I write people. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's, it's uh, I just heard, I think it was on the Behind the Curtain podcast, John Doyle talking about that, that the, when he, his, he finally had the experience of having a show like, I think it was Sweeney, go on tour and they had to sort of put things in tracks and he couldn't be there for those meetings. He had to be like, never mind, like you guys figure this out. Well I mean you uh, can you have to find that way through them, but they have to, you know, I mean I But make it your own. I mean there's a way to do, you know, it it yeah. becomes that like sort of like you and I were saying, like the machine, the cookie cutter response. Yeah. You want it to be not sloppy exactly, but you want it to be alive. And alive things, you know, things spill. Uh, things don't quite fit. Things kind of bumble around. It's what makes it's what makes it exciting it's what makes it not a not a movie yeah my next play which will happen in the year 2024 yes <laughs> but Evans it's a cast of 12 and they play about 30 roles and it's mm -hmm. huge and epic and stupid and sloppy and rhyming couplets and iambic pentameter and oh my and matthew broderick and jackie hoff and just crazy nutty show mm -hmm. and i love but it's it's like everyone doubles or triples. And so you have to find the ways of mm -hmm. everyone's emotionally, like what's good for the three of them to do. And, and I'm just, it's, it's a bit the Granite house. Who knows? It's six people come. It's sold out. As we wrap up though, I usually ask at the end, what's your favorite song from babes in arms? Oh, um, you know, I think it's, I think it's probably where I went. I think it's just a beautiful, mm. great, great song. And Funny Valentine is, I like the, you look, the laughable and photographable is, mm -hmm. is, is sweet to me. Um, I like, I think those are probably, that would probably be it, you know. What's your favorite song for me? Or do you have a favorite it, song? It, it, it was, it was Where or When. I really, every time I, I listen to the album, and like I, I usually listen to it about three times before I talk to my guests. Yeah. And that was the one that I kept going. This is just a, such a well-written 
yeah. song. And it kicked, I mean, you know, opening numbers are live or die for yeah. shows like this. And it starts the show on exactly the right foot. It's yeah, just, very sweet. But the smile you were smiling, you were smiling back. And then, yes. It, it's it like is. The, the which smile and the way it sits in your mouth. Smile, smile, smile. Mm-hmm. Nasally and mouthy. And yeah. Smile. Just, it's it's apex for Lorenz Hart, I think, that it, yeah, it's just that, that perfect little. Like that All right. Sorry, Valentine. You suck. Yeah. No, like... <laughs> Put it away. I've heard that. I've heard my funny Valentine too much. That just gets it. it and you're uh, too short. Yeah. Not gay. Yeah. <laughs> just short. <laughs> Thank you so much, Doug. This was so wonderful. It was good laughing, having a laugh, and having a show tune together with you. It was tough. It seems we stood and talked like this before. We looked at each other in the same way then, but I can't remember where. The clothes you're wearing are the clothes you wore The smile you were smiling, you were smiling then But I can't remember where or when The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn the original cast is on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Original Cast Pod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on all platforms at Unknown Penguin. Enjoying yourself? Leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and tell the world. You can also find the original cast on Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, and wherever fine podcasts are available. My thanks to Douglas Carter Bean for coming and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. And so it seems that we have met before. And love.